I'm Tim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stopped. You mount the machine with a great deal of dignity and confidence. You see that all is clear. You undertake to place your feet in the proper position, and the trouble begins. Your first half hour is spent deciding which shall be uppermost, yourself or the machine. And the machine exhibits an amount of skill and perseverance that astonishes you. On this cheerful Monday morning here in Melbourne, you're tuned to 3CR. Thank you very much for Amy and Democracy Now. It's time for the Yarrabug Radio Show. Slow down that pedalling. Catch a breath. Listen to stories about bikes, which will rock you to sleep. Either you're podcasting, you're on the web and streaming, or the trannies on, in the kitchen. This is 3CR 855 on your AM dial. We've got a bit of a show coming up today. It's really a story about how to make sure and how to guarantee that you will still be riding a bike even though you're 95. And to help us do that, we've got a daughter from lovely state of Denmark who's going to show us another innovative way to progress your cycling career. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. Good morning, daughter. Good morning, Val. Thank you for having us here. It's a pleasure. It is be a, it'll be a great show, and you won't be astounded by this idea. Uh, a great idea, I think, which should take off everywhere. But first off, let's get it stuck into a little bit of news and bike moments. Let's get the bike moments done out of the way. Faith, you're leading off. Uh, my bike moment comes uh, from the weekend. I... Uh went uh, mountain biking for the first time with uh, some breeze leaders around Castlemaine um, on Sunday morning. And uh, I haven't been mountain biking before. And just as I was about to head down one particular steep section, and uh, I thought mounted my machine with a great deal of dignity and confidence... <laughs> Realised as I was reciting the things you have to do going down a short, steep hill, 
on a mountain bike, brace your feet, realised one foot wasn't clipped in, and in an effort to rectify that situation, tried to put the clipped-in foot on the ground. There we go. <laughs> so, unfortunately, it was rubber side up. It was rubber side up. <laughs> I've still got the bruises and the scrapes and scratches to prove it. War wounds to carry forever. Daughter, now, I suppose there's a lot of bike moments in this, isn't there? There's a lot of bike moments in cycling without age. That's really what it's all about, sharing <laughs> yes. stories. But uh, maybe I should tell you about a bike moment. I had a very warm uh, welcome to Melbourne on Monday morning. We arrived with the rickshaw. On the spirit of Tasmania, because we'd just been on Tassie on the weekend. And uh, we're riding along the waterfront and we made it well out to St Kilda. But then coming in St Kilda Road afterwards to head into town, we all of a sudden heard a woo-woo. So Mr. Plock was right behind us. And, uh, of course, we being Danish, we don't have much of a helmet culture. We sort of uh, go for... um, Safety by the masses because we got so many cyclists in, so- in Copenhagen. So we were riding along and uh, I was in front, despite the fact that I probably have another 50 years to go before I should be riding in front. <laughs> and I had uh, Nicholas, my good colleague, uh, pedaling for me. And uh, Mr. Plot looked at me sitting in the front and he points back at Nicholas and he says, this guy is missing something on his head. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we did pretend to be the stupid tourists. And we were like, oh, we just heard from New Zealand that in tri you don't have to wear helmets. But apparently it applies here that the peddler will be wearing, whereas the passengers might not have to. So we uh, we agreed to go and get ourselves a helmet. Uh, but I must admit that we did sneak along the, the sidewalk uh, to get into Federation Square. And uh, we got lots of nice smiles and uh, people's interest when we rode along. Perfect story. Yes, and it well. confirms an experience that a lot of overseas travelers <laughs> have in well. I can think of uh, the ex-governor of California who paid a visit here one yes. day. On the mayor of London. And the mayor of London, <laughs> who then proceeded to get pulled over by Detective <laughs> Peter Plot. And I think Arnold used the excuse that was... I'm from California and I don't know the rules. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> Not make get, my day. He didn't get a fine. You didn't get a fine. We didn't. We got a smile. Ah, there we go. If only that extend that lovely courtesy to... Locals. Local bike riders. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a quick, short little bike moment. I suppose one of the great parts of um, riding is actually you're in the atmosphere. You're part of it. You can't escape it. And we all like to ride bikes when we've just got a tailwind that's only 23 degrees. I won't sweat or anything like that. I found myself on the bike on Saturday morning in that sort of lovely half hour before you knew that there was going to be thunder and lightning and a complete change in the way things were happening. Really a spooky sort of time. The air smells a little bit different. And all of a sudden, with a crash and a bang, everything changed. You were drenched in water. It lasted about three and a half minutes. And then in the end, it just went on as if nothing had happened. (laughs) The wind is bound to dry you. Yes, exactly. You don't stay wet for long in Melbourne, I'll tell you. (laughs) Have you... I'm just wondering, daughter, if you've had that uh, opportunity to notice one of the best things about the Melbourne weather is if you don't like it, it will change in the next 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we did notice a bit yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, we've got a little bit of news to get up with. Uh, First thing first, um, there's a great um, exhibition opening at uh, the National Gallery. I think it's 
It's already open, actually. I should rephrase that. Well, the official opening's on Friday, the 11th. Yep. Yep. And oh, that's, yes. That's right. <laughs> so if you've ever wondered or wanted to see the uh, Way sculpture, a thousand, I think it's a thousand bicycles, I'll pro- be proved wrong, that is on show at the uh, Melbourne National, at the, the National Gallery in St Kilda Road. Very much worthwhile getting along to see. Yeah, it's... Um he he did an installation a couple of years ago, Forever Bicycles, uh, using the Forever Bicycles that were, you, were, used to be so common and in China. And uh, this is a Forever Bicycles 2015, especially commissioned by the National Gallery for the show. And it includes 1,500 bicycles that have been lifted into position. It's interesting, actually. The bicycle has a checkered history in China. One of Mao's great quotes was, you know, to ride a bicycle is a political act, which was quite fascinating. The first thing when the communists did when they got to power in Beijing was get rid of the bikes and put cars in. <laughs> Sorry, I've transgressed. Uh, the other news is that the Victorian Law Foundation uh, produced a handbook which was launched this week uh, which is a pocket-sized bike law handbook and it's an interesting it's just a small handbook that focuses purely on the laws that affect cyclists um, with the aim to make cycling safer if people are more aware of the laws around uh, riding a bike and much of the publicity around it seems to intimate that it's aimed as much at drivers as cyclists I'm just wondering how many drivers who don't ride would go and pick up a book called the Bike Law Handbook. And and I think in the past research has shown that it's people who ride who know the road rules best. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a great handy little handbook to give someone who you think might not be aware of the rules. But... Um, now that Christmas is coming up, that could be a perfect present. <laughs> and a free one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so these these are free, um, and you can get them. You can download them as a PDF or get hard copies. If you go to the Victoria Law Foundation uh, website, you'll be able to find the links for where you can do all that. And in the new year, I think the uh, week before uh the first holiday in January or the second holiday in January, somebody from the Law Foundation will be coming on to explain why they did it, what their target audience is and what they hope to achieve. I think I'll probably carry three or four with me every time I ride and I can put them through the left-hand window of the car motorist (laughs) as they crush me on the inside lane. Interesting, there was a bit of... I don't want to go too far into something. There was a little bit of comment from somebody that it... um, really wasn't going to change anything. But for the Law Foundation's idea is this, to give people an understanding of their rights on the road and actually, I'm not sure if anybody's, or most people in Melbourne are aware of this, it's not uncommon to get run over by a car and never have your bike returned or have any insurance quote back or sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Part of the idea of the Law Foundation booklet was actually to make people a bit more aware of what they could do in a case of these things. Anyway, that'll be fascinating. Any other news? I think that's it. That's it. Now. I think then we should move on to an idea that if I'm a little bit crippled, I can't move too much, somebody's going to come along and give me a ride. <laughs> 
So our guest daughter, who's uh, in the studio with us now, is going to tell us all about an initiative from Denmark that, that's rapidly spread throughout the world called Cycling Without Age. And um, I, I love the tagline for this daughter. It's the right to wind in your hair, which, as you've already learned, is, is <laughs> acquires an extra uh, sort of poignant aspect to it here in Australia. But um, maybe we should start off with how this initiative came about. I believe there's quite a nice story behind that. Yes, yeah, I can tell you about this uh, this story, how it all uh, started in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, a young gentleman was uh, passing his neighboring nursing home every morning and he could see just down the road that his elderly neighbors were sitting there, not being able to get very far out into the city. And he was, a, or he is, an avid cyclist, and he decided to come up with an initiative that could bring these elderly back out onto the bike path into the city and enjoy all the events and sceneries and whatever they would have liked, whether it was going, yeah, uh, into town, into shops, whether it was joining the waterfront or the forest, nearby forest or whatever, wherever they wanted to, to go. He wanted to reunite these elderly with their communities. So he thought, being a cyclist himself and being in Copenhagen, which has such a strong cycling culture, um, and that's probably why we are not so keen on helmets, because we really go by safety by the masses, because there's so many cyclists that it's just really safe. Um, we sort of outdo the cars. Um, anyway, he went across to the nursing home with a rented rickshaw, and these rickshaws are special in the sense that you get two passengers sitting in front and you get the cyclist sitting behind. So they're a bit different to the to the rickshaws that you know from Asia and stuff. And he just walked into the coffee room and said, hi, my name is Ollie. I'm your neighbor. Would someone like to come for a ride? And that was basically how Cycling Without Age started. Um, yeah, the very first rides was like that. And so how's it grown from that first? Um, it, it must have been Ollie who uh, decided to make this a more formal initiative? Or um, I think we, we, we're still kind of informal. Um, but he once asked the manager in this nursing home because it was contagious after the first passenger had come out with him. This was a lady in her in her 90s and she had been gossiping in the coffee room saying towards the rest, oh, you know, I've been on town with this young man and everyone else wanted to go as well. Um, and he asked the manager, could she buy a, a rickshaw for this place? And he would still come and volunteer. But she said, oh, well, short of money and why didn't he write the council? And well, I happened to be that very lucky uh, city councillor who received this life-enriching email uh, from a citizen who wanted a rickshaw. And of course, I was like, hmm, what about the other citizens? What kind of bicycle should I give them? But of course, it had the catch to it that it was going to break isolation and loneliness amongst the elderly and help someone, uh, like Val was saying before, someone who have lost the mobility and, uh, and the capacity to go out by themselves, but who would still really like to be part of the community and who, of course, have cycled a lot in their days back in the 30s, 40s, 50s and 60s. Like here in Australia, I think you had many more cyclists back in the 60s uh, than you have now. Um, and... Um, and I just looked at that initiative and I thought, but one man, one bike, what are we going to do? And I went into my, my boss and I said, listen, this is so cool. Why don't we get him five bikes? And that's what happened. So three years ago, we started out with uh, with five bicycles. And from then, the rumor just spread, word of mouth. Everyone wanted to be part of it. Um, and I think it's very easy to identify. Um, first of all, we're doing something good for others. Uh, and at the same time, you're doing something really good for yourself. It's really mutual. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You don't realize how much fun it is to go to go out with someone who's 92 when you're just in your 40s or 20s, whatever. Uh, and also, 
none of us are looking forward to the day where we have to make the choice of moving into a care home facility, no matter how nice the place is, no matter how kind the caretakers are. But it's just that whole way of identifying with living in a nursing home facility is kind of like a last resort. So we just we all would like it to be happy and still have quality of life and still build new relationships. And this is really what Cycling Without Age offers. It's a fascinating little sort of juxtaposition. I mean, you're right, in the 60s we had a great supply of cyclists. Now I'm thinking of the last 10 years, the great... um, where do I put my, my baby's first ride on the bike? Where is that? Sitting at the front of the bike, facing the breeze. Mm, yeah. That is, I mean, if a child can remember from being two years old or 18 months old, that would be their first memory. Now you're offering somebody that can be their last memory as well. Sort of like tagging both ends, isn't a it? A bookend to yeah. your riding career. <laughs> Tell me... You walked into your boss and your boss just said, buy five bikes. It's got to be a little bit harder than that, or was that easy? It was actually that easy. Um, I don't know. I must have been convincing, saying that I think this can be big. And, of course, it's it's health promotion in itself because it, it gets community invo- communities involved, and uh, it sort of connects people. And we know that volunteerism is actually a health-promoting factor because you interact with others. Uh, it's important. You have something to get up to in the morning. Uh, someone is relying on you. It's not a paid job, but it's just like a, a, a mutual uh, relation between people. And, and yeah, with the uh, um, places that have taken up this and spread it throughout the world, how did that come about? Did you just spontaneously get connect, contacted by people, or? Was it something you were actively seeking? Yeah, um, we were quite surprised because, like I said, none of us knew that it was going to be more than one man, one bike, or just the five bikes in Copenhagen. But then word of mouth, a lot of other cities in Denmark started making contact, so it grew bigger. Um, And then last year at this time, Oli Kesso, the first initiator, he did a TED Talk. And uh, that just got a lot of international attention to it because, you know, like with the social media, that just spread vividly. And a lot of people called us up and said, how can we do this in our in our local area? Uh, how can I get my mom out on a bike? How can I get my grandmother out on a bike? Or how can I get my local nursing home to get started? Uh, so we just started like really networking, just supporting these people in bringing, sharing our ideas and sharing our experience. Uh, but of course, it was also a matter of finding the right bicycle for them. And that's not easy in every country in the world. So earlier this year, we made an international crowdfunding called Bikes for the World. That was back in May. So uh, some of these local initiators, uh, they crowdfunded locally and chipped into this uh, international crowdfunding, which got them a bicycle and, uh, and a launch visit by, by us, the founders, so that we could come and really on-spot share our stories and pass over uh, to these people for them to start their own chapter and create their own stories. So that's, that's how it has developed during this year internationally. And now I, I, I know it's going to go wild. Uh, we got uh, some licensees here in Australia. The first off is... Uh, is actually going to be in Tasmania where uh, there's a little place called The Snug and uh, they want to create a dementia-friendly community which I think is very inspiring for other places so they want the community to know how to deal with people with dementia and understand uh, the ageing population so they're going to use the bicycle as a tool for that. And uh, whereabouts else in Australia have you had some interest from? I think you mentioned Bendigo. Yes. And outside of Victoria too? 
Um, I must say that Victoria is uh, is like the main point for us, mm-hmm. really. Uh, lots of interest groups uh, like yourselves um, have made contact and picked an interest. Uh, so far, we still need to get in touch with uh, with care groups, I must say. Uh, but lots of community groups, uh, even companies who would like uh, to see uh, to see their local area started, either by uh, by giving a bicycle or by coming in as volunteers once the bicycles are in place. So it's really all about getting that first bicycle and then I'm pretty sure it's just going to spread like ribbles in the water here in Melbourne itself. Yeah. And is it something, I mean, you obviously age, people who've lost mobility through age and, and dementia, um, are there other communities who can make use of the bikes? We, we've we uh, been contacted by um, by disabled communities mm-hmm. yep. and um, and I just see a great potential for, for them to join in as well. Um, yeah, I don't think – we don't have rules and limits to cycling mm-hmm. without age. We really like to see that whichever positive change can be made with using a bicycle as the tool um, – it's just great, and we like to see them under under our umbrella, so that we can all share um, knowledge and ideas and experience with each other. Yep. And what sort of uh, process is it to get involved? Is there is it really simple to make a start, or is it going to take a big investment, or how do people go about that? Well, I suppose any individual really uh, who will be able to. Um, to fundraise for bicycle can can turn up at a local nursing home just like Oli Casso did and and just use that as a role model. But of course, uh, cycling without age, uh, with our umbrella organisation, we also like to know who are they, and we're really interested in people. We're interested in learning the individual's motivation for bringing it to their community. So we have a form on our website, uh, cyclingwithoutage.org, and uh, people can sign up for a royalty-free license. It's given; it has no costs. Uh, and it's just to learn about them and to see who they are and to see how we can help them get started. Uh, yeah, so it is pretty easy actually um, to get to get started. Yeah. Do you have everybody uses the same bike? Um, pretty much. There are about three different products or three different uh, rickshaws uh, that people are using. Um, I do find the Christiania bike uh, particularly appropriate for it. There's something about the balance in it. It's the size. It's the comfort. It's just the whole technology is really is is, is really nice. Uh, and I'm not saying this because we're not we <laughs> oh, because we're selling bikes. We're not. We we we're just promoting cycling without age. But uh, Christiania bikes, uh, who also have a distributor here in Australia, uh, they they have, they have really they really see themselves as part of the bigger picture and as a part of the story. So they listen when we have ideas for for improvement, mm-hmm. and we've not really seen that with so many others but a couple of yeah. other products we can you can check them on our website they're all there uh, have you um i know i don't want to ask these questions really have you ever had a well have you ever had a problem with somebody saying to a nursing home oh i'm not letting any of my clients out on the road Yes, uh, of course, uh, staff and managers, uh, they feel very responsible for these no. elderly people uh, and sometimes that puts um, some sort of limitation to what they would or what they let these elderly do. They kind of forget that they are still, you know, just adults and, and capable in their own life. Uh, but of course, does do we have an accident and does it get on the front of the newspaper? Of course, that care home is going to be sort of asked, "What are you doing with these elderly people?" And uh, and even the press will forget that these elderly, you know, they can they've got their own mind and they can make their own decisions of what they want to do um, in their spare time, which I suppose yeah. it really is. It's like a hobby, isn't it, to go cycling? Um, so yeah, some can be hesitant, but we also see some who really takes it into their professional work. 
and uh, uses this bicycle as a tool for, for rehabilitation yeah. and for training, even for the elderly. We had a lady the other day who has not been cycling for the past four years, and she used to cycle a lot. Uh, and her husband was even a race cyclist. So, of course, cycling has been a big part of their life. And she was even feeling fragile. She was started to use a walking stick. Uh, but after she moved into the care facility, she felt so empowered. And when we brought along the rickshaw, she got in the pilot seat and she was pedaling. And she even had two staff as her passengers <laughs> in front. So that was just amazing. That's a perfect way to do it, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and uh, you're in Australia for a little while longer. If anyone listening to the show today wants to get in touch with you to have a look at what you do or have a chat to you, what's the best way they can do that? Um, yeah, that would be lovely. We're in Australia until the 6th of January, so there's great opportunity. Uh, whether you're you're here in Melbourne or it could be other places, so please inspire um, whoever uh, you would like to inspire. Um, I was just going to say you could call me, but I can't remember my phone number, <laughs> my Australian phone number. So how about you get me on the email? That is a dorthe, D-O-R-T-H-E, at cyclingwithoutage.org. And we'll also have a link to the website up uh, on the with the podcast so uh, people will probably be able to find an email up there for you as well and even if they don't catch us while we're here I mean we we work worldwide so we're happy to Skype meet people and help them from a long distance so it shouldn't be a limitation that we are not in Australia permanently so yeah we'll link people together and make our international network uh, help people get started I'm looking forward to seeing Rickshaws all over the Yarra Path, actually, for the next couple of years. It would be a really great idea. Daughter, we um, like to actually finish with a question of asking somebody their first bike memory, actually. Come again? Sorry? Your first bike memory. My first bike memory. Yep. That little red tricycle. I know. That was a little red tricycle. I've seen it in pictures, so I know it was there. Um, I think my, my first real bike memory was when I got my first new bicycle because I'm the younger one in the family, so I would always inherit one from someone else and get a used bicycle. I had some, Looking back, I had some pretty cool ones. I think I would like them today because they would be really retro, like getting my little yellow brownish bike from the 70s back. But uh, otherwise, it was like getting my first kind of sports bike, really, and uh, looked very trendy going around down the road and that's really what it's all about uh yeah it's, it's yeah it's about commuting and feeling trendy and feeling on the go and yeah, yeah close and close to the, the wind surrounding. in your hair yeah. yeah. and a danish sense of design <laughs> yes <laughs> and that's all we have time for today thank you very much daughter for coming into the studio and joining us you're welcome uh Coming up, just very quickly, there's a couple of things on. On the 17th, there's Chris's Cross at Fields of Joy Cyclocross, and the best way to find out the details for that is if you find Fields of Joy's Facebook page. And over the summer, you can also keep an eye on bikefund.org for any rides coming up locally. And all the announcers and most of the guests are presume on 3CR of volunteers and 3CR depends on your financial existence for our existence now I know you're out there buying little Christmas presents for everybody why don't you send a little bit of cash to 3CR as a Christmas present next up is Dirt Radio